Jorge's down here, so <laughs> I have to raise this up. <laughs> Just before we go into our message, uh, uh, many of you know Lynn Fast, and he went through a colon cancer, and, and he came out of the hospital he had to use for several months. I'm not sure what you call it, but it was a bag, and it was uh, about two weeks ago it was taken out, out, and he just came out of the hospital again, and he wanted me to assure the church that he thanks the church for the prayers that have gone up, and to continue to pray for him that he may receive the healing. And we just trusted uh, that God, who heard the prayers for the others through Jorge, may have included, even though his name comes up later. Uh, and so I'm, I'm Pastor Joe, one of the pastors here. And the last while we've been talking about uh, the events that took place during the last week or the last few days of the life of Christ. And the text that has been chosen for today is John 17, and I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter to set a context so that we can look to what Jesus uh, wants us to know. And there's a couple of things that, that stand out or stood out for me as I read this text. Uh, first of all, one of the last words of Jesus before uh, entering into what is known as his priestly prayer, he told his disciples that in this world there would be trouble and that they should take heart because he had overcome the world. He promised to be with us. And we sang about that, about his presence through the storm, through the desert, whatever situation we may find ourselves in, he is ready there to help us. And so just before we, we read this, I want to just uh, summarize a few events that happened here, and then we'll go into the sermon. So this this prayer of his happened probably just after Judas left to make an agreement with the, with the authorities, uh, the Jewish authorities, to betray Jesus, to receive the money of betrayal. And so Jesus uh, prays a prayer just before taken prisoner and crucified. And so he starts out praying for himself. Then he goes on to pray for his apostles. Then he goes on to pray for the future disciples, and that's where you and I are included. And he prays for those who are from another fold. In other words, they weren't there, right there, but they belonged to his children. And so then he, he prays, what uh, actually is the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew and Luke, we have what we call the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, etc. And it, it's a prayer that is a model for what Christ would have us include in our prayers, the topics or the sentiment. But when he actually intercedes before the Father, 
It's the prayer that he has probably still in, a, in the upper room before he goes to the garden where he asks, if it is possible, make it that I don't have to drink this cup, which was the death for ourselves, for our sins, for our redemption, for our deliverance. And so uh, he prays in this prayer about, uh, and he uses the expression, the hour has come. The hour has come. It's the hour, not in a sense of 60 minutes, but the time has come, the moment has come where he will face the, his accusers, he will be nailed on the cross, and this penalty of sin will be paid for. The reason we can rejoice, the reason we can, can actually come before God broken and all messed up and say, Lord, help me, is because the moment had come for Jesus to pay the penalty for all our sins. To start undoing what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. I say start undoing because it is a process. It is a finished work by Christ, but it is a, sometimes a slow process, sometimes a fast one, but it is a process. And so uh, he seeks to be glorified by the, by the Father. He seeks the well-being of his disciples. He wants his followers to be one as he and the Father are one. And we want to talk about why it is important that we be one in Jesus, that we have unity in Jesus. Uh, and we need, want to understand what Jesus accomplished so that we could be one. And we want to understand that this divided world, divided uh, religion of the world of religions, uh, why they don't work and how we as sinners, saved by grace, can maintain unity among those who believe in Christ. So let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we ask at this time that you give us the liberty of your Spirit to bring forth that which is for your church today. Father, we pray that you search our hearts. You help us understand where we need to improve where we need what we need to let go what we need to put at the cross what we need to confess what we need to leave behind and we just pray lord that as our eyes are turned towards you that we may receive the blessing that we so much need and within this this context lord help us to understand what you want us to do and so father Use me as an instrument. Use me as a channel. And may all the honor and glory be yours. For Christ's sake, amen. I invite you to turn to your Bible or your phone or look on the screen. Chapter 17. And if you don't have a Bible, don't have your phone, and you want to close your eyes and just listen, that's fine as well. But I just invite you to enter in to the reading of this text. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, uh, 
The hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know that the... Uh, that they, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom I, you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you have given them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you gave me, for they are yours. All are mine, sorry, all are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them uh, has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also be, may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as I have loved, as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which 
you have loved me, be, be in them, and I in them. We notice several times Christ uses the expression, in me as I am in you, and they be in me. And he's talking about unity. And it's very important, uh, the disciples, prior to the Last Supper or the last the Passover feast, the disciples had argued among themselves who would sit at Jesus' right hand and who would sit at his left hand. They argued over who was the greatest. And so there was this unity among them. And then when they're partaking of the communion, there is still this lingering thought of who is better than who. And there's that lingering thought that uh, if, if you're not like, if you don't think like I think, or you, you're not like me, then you're different than me. And, and there's this, this unity. And we find Paul in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, dealing with similar issues, and he turns to the, uh, to the church in his letter and says, the gospel has been blasphemed or maligned among the Gentiles because of you. So something was happening that the gospel was suffering because the Christians were not united. When we open the book of 1 Corinthians... In chapter 1, they're arguing about who they're following. I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow this, I follow that. And somebody says, I follow Christ. And they argue about it. And actually at that moment, none of them are following Christ. And so it is so important that we understand that part of Christ's mission in this world was to make sure that we allowed the Spirit of God to work in us to bring about unity where there may not be. We've gone through a couple of hard years. This years, unfortunately, I'm not trying to step on any toes, but we have been, the church has been divided from coast to coast, from all the way down to the southern tip of the Americas. In Europe, there's been a division over all the, that happened in this world. Scientists finding scientists, doctors finding doctors and nurses, and it's been a thing, and it has hurt the church. And so Jesus' prayer is that we may find strength in him, we may find grace in him to become one. And verse 17 I'd rather chapter 17, verse 21, uh, uses the phrase that they may be one, just as the Father are in me and I in you, that, uh, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. The world observes us. The world needs to know uh, 
that Christ was sent into the world. And so it is very important what kind of message I portray day to day. As I walk the streets of London or walk the streets of Acme or walk the streets of Edmonton or wherever it is, I need to be aware of the fact that others are observing me. The world really doesn't care about our doctrine. Doctrine is important for the edifying of the body of Christ. It is important to understand what Christianity is all about. But outside, the world really doesn't care what stripe you wear. They don't care about our theological divisions. But the world is radicalized. Racial problems, ethnic problems, cultural divisions, and so many other things that disrupt unity. And I, it always comes to mind when Elisha stopped by several times this widow's house and first time by her invitation, and then he, she, he was given the liberty to whenever he wanted to drop in. And one day she says to her husband, I have observed, observed that this man who visits our house constantly is a holy man of God. He carried the title of prophet. The land was full of people claiming to be prophets. Some of them were, some of them weren't. And so it wasn't his title, it wasn't his teachings, it was his behavior that prompted the lady to say, I have seen that this is a man of God. And that's really what the world wants to know. They want to know if indeed uh, the, our talk and our walk match. Uh, Jesus had said uh, in, in John 8, 30, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So the word is important, doctrine is important, teaching is important, and it's important for, for us who believe to abide in it. But our testimony isn't how much I know. It's how much I represent and reflect Jesus. The proclamation of the truth uh, is united with the fact that when we are united to Christ, the greatest credence or authority to the gospel is my life, is your life, is our life. The greatest authority of the church is not how much or how well we preach the Bible. It's how well we live among those who know nothing about Christ. It, it's, it's how much we allow Christ to, to work in us. That is the greatest attestment to the power of the gospel, to the fact that Jesus came and that will lead people to believe. 
It is true we struggle with its own nature. We struggle with our brokenness. We struggle with all kinds of issues. And we want to overcome those issues. And for some, some of us overcome them faster. Some of us drag our feet. Some of us maybe even enjoy our difficulties, our, our weakness, etc. But that's beside the point. If you begin to follow Christ, even if it is baby steps, the world will notice something is changing in you. And they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And that's what Jesus said uh, on one of his speeches in the Beatitudes. He said, walk in such a way, shine in such a way, be light and be salt in such a way that those who see your good works will glorify your Father in heaven. And so that's really what the gospel is about. And so we, in our behavior, in our unity, putting aside our differences, coming to, together in that which really matters, coming together as, as a body, Jesus said that as the Father and himself was one in spirit and unity, we too, as being part of the body, were to be one in unity. So my left foot some days doesn't want to cooperate with my right foot, but it's still part of the body. Sometimes my right ear hears better than my left ear, but it's still part of the body. And so we need to remember that, that uh, we're all different members. We all have different functions. We all have different uh, gifts. And yet we're supposed to be united in Christ in such a way that indeed the world understands Jesus was sent from God. And that as the Son of God, he rose from the dead. He lives in the hearts of those who believe. He, he transforms lives. He is transforming lives through the power of his resurrection. And then in verse 17, 23, similar words, we read, I am in them and you in me, that they may know, become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. and love them even as you loved me. Very similar text. The first is that the world may believe and the world may know. Very similar, but different again. Uh, Jesus emphasizes the power of unity among his disciples to con convince the world an unbelieving world of the truth. Uh, the word to know, without getting into the Greek and complicating anything for you, I'll stay with the English. In one sense, to know is to come up to someone and greet them and ask your name and give my name and where do you do, where do you live, etc., etc. And we go, well, yeah, I got to know somebody today. Another sense of the word know is to experience deeply a relationship with someone, a relationship with something. 
It's to know it through experience. Know it through uh, being intertwined. Uh, it's time spent with people to say we know them. In Brazil, we got a saying. By the way, for the, those of you who are newcomers, I was born in Brazil. And if you want to say my name in Portuguese, it's José, but I know that Joe is easier. <laughs> Anyhow, in Brazil, we have a saying that before you can really know someone well, you need to eat 10 sacks of 60 kilos each sack of beans. Then you know someone. That's a lot of beans. That's a lot of beans. And so, let's take that analogy. It takes work to know someone. And Jesus is saying, live in harmony in a way that the world may know, but really know that he came for them. It doesn't matter. It, the rest does matter. But the most important thing is the world needs to know that they can believe, they can trust, they can bring their burdens, they can bring their sorrows to the foot of the cross and know that God cares. And they need to know and experience for themselves a relationship with Jesus to enjoy what we have enjoyed. There are many other lessons. There are many other ideas in this passage. And I would love to actually make a series, taking a few verses at a time here. But our time today does not allow us. So I just want you to to know that it is utmost importance that we understand that on the way to Calvary, on the way to the cross, on the way to the tomb, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for you who believe, and he prayed for you who are yet struggling to believe. And in his prayer for, for you who believe, he prayed that we would find a way through his strength, through his spirit, through the, he says he shared his glory with us. I'm not sure if we fully understand what that means, but he shared his glory with us so that we could understand the unity between father and son to the extent that we put that understanding in practice in our lives, so that when I meet somebody who thinks totally different than myself, I can still have fellowship with him because of the blood of Christ, because of what Christ did on the cross. And, I, and we can put aside every differences and say the, our common ground is that we have believed in Jesus, we have been saved by Jesus, he has forgiven us, and we were going to do everything in the power of Christ 
to bring that about. The attainment of unity, uh, as I mentioned, has something to do with, with understanding or participating in the glory that Christ speaks about sharing here. And I'm not sure if I can, if I can really develop that in a way that is meaningful, because part of the gospel is mystery. Paul used expressions like becoming part of the divine nature. I'm not sure what that means. We don't become little gods. We don't become semi-gods. We continue on this side of life, sinners saved by grace. The God in his sovereignty, in his love, in his graciousness, chose to dwell inside broken people and, and lead them on the path to wholeness. And so uh, it involves allowing Christ to uh, abide in us and, and, and enter in, as John puts it here in John 15, uh, first of all, four, 4 and 5 say, uh, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Previous verses spoke about the fact that the word of God has made us clean. The word of God engrafted in us has made us fruit bearers. And Jesus in this prayer, if you noticed, he said, sanctify them. And he talks about the word being the agent of sanctification. So, so in other words, the, uh, what God has provided so that we can be united is his word. His written word. So we need to love it. We need to uh, dig deep into it. We need to allow it to really speak to us. And when the Lord, through his spirit, speaks to particular issues, and he'll speak differently to different people, not different interpretation, but application will be different with different people. We allow him to work in us. Because it is the only sanctifying agent. Of course, the Holy Spirit is there working with the Word, not apart from the Word. The Spirit never works apart from the Word, and the Word never speaks to us apart from the Spirit. So it is the two. It is the two who works in us that which we need to grasp. And Ephesians uh, uh, 4, 4 to 7 and I'll come to the first part of the verses in a few minutes. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope and belong to one, uh, one call. Sorry here, I skipped over. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us in accordance to the measure of Christ's gift. And the first gift is the gift of faith. The first gift is that gift of faith that begins the process of working in us. And uh, there are many passages, and I'm going to uh, hurry on here a few moments. Just bear with me. Uh, the, we've got to maintain the unity. If the word is the agent through which we find a way to unity, the maintenance of this unity is very similar. It is the word again. The unity is impossible without adherence to a standard. Unless we are, we, uh, there were standards regarding weights and measures, uh, confusion and division would result every time we went to a store. You know, think of the old scale. You put a pound here, you put a pound of merchandise here, and it has to balance. Now, if I, for a pound, can use any, any measurement, or like I've seen in Brazil, they, they hollow out the bottom of that there so that it looks like it's a, still the, the kilo, and then they put merchandise over here, and it doesn't correspond. You take it to another store, and it's, something's missing. And so the, uh, there are standards. The Word of God has standards, you know, by which we live and which keep us coherent in His Word. And so uh, when there is religious division or political division or whatever kind of division, we need to come back to Scripture where it is the ruler or the standard by which we measure our own scope, our own, uh, you know, the Pope is the authority. I'm not the authority. The council is not the authority. It, it's scripture is the authority on which you and I stand. And in concluding, like I said, there's a lot of things that I would love to say. Uh, going back just to finish up, the world needs to believe, the world needs to know. And without repeating myself, uh, unity begins at home. And from the home, it comes to the people of God who are gathered together. It's very, if a family is torn apart, the church tends to tear apart. But when we build the families and the family has found unity in diversity, the family has found unity and oneness in diversity, then the church begins to be strong. The church is only as strong as the family is. If the family is not strong, there's no way the church can be strong. 
That doesn't mean you don't have issues. That doesn't mean you don't have disagreements. It means that you've come to the Word, you come to Christ, you settle your differences at the foot of the cross to become strong, to become an example, so that the world may believe and know. And once again, just to fix it in your minds, uh, Christ came to this world with the purpose of taking care of our condemnation, taking care of the sin that separated us from God. Ephesians says, and Romans says, we were aliens, we were separated, we were without Christ, we were without hope. But now we have found Christ, we have found hope. And in and the mission of Christ yes, was to take care of the sin that entered the world when Satan was able to convince Adam and Eve to disobey God. But Christ also came into the world according to this prayer so that we, as born-again believers, as people saved by the blood of Christ through the cross, can live in harmony. So he died for my sins, but he died that I could have harmony with you, with you, with you. He died for you so that you could have harmony one with each other. So it, we rejoice our sins are forgiven. Let's make every effort, as Scripture says, to have unity in the faith that the world may know, that the world may believe. And so... What we need to do is daily come before the throne of grace. David did it at the bedtime. He would say, I examined my heart and I put my head on my pillow. I am at peace with God and I go to sleep. I think that is important. Daniel gave the example of going to the Lord three times a day. And so he went in the morning, he went in the evening, at noon, and he went in the evening. And whatever, whatever you do, make the effort to daily come to the Lord, to his word. You know, there'll be parts you don't understand, and the Spirit of God in the proper time will help you understand. But there will be always a word to anchor your soul, anchor your faith. Anchor your obedience in him. And so I encourage you to daily let the word of God work in your heart so that when you're out in the community, others may know and others may believe. May God bless you. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you pour your grace, your forgiveness, your love, your strength, your victory, your power upon the congregation. And we pray, Lord, that you will bring healing to every heart that is hurting, every heart that is broken, every heart that is struggling, Lord. May you come beside and enable, enable, enable your unity to enter into every heart. And that as we walk about the world may know and believe 
that you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And the world may know and believe that there is hope in this broken world. There is hope in this world that has no hope to offer. And so, Father, we pray for our world. We pray for the, those families, Lord, who are struggling because of war and strife and death. And you know, Lord, in your mercy, give us mercy. And as Habakkuk would always pray, because of the situation in the nation of Israel, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. And we understand that the wrath of our sins was taken on the cross. But we need to face our, our, our fragility, our weakness, our sinfulness, and bring it to the cross and receive the strength. But in all that, Lord, pour out your mercy. Now, Father, go with us as we leave this place. Go before us to guide us. Go behind us to protect us. Go beside us to be our, our companion. Go above us to be our provider. Go beneath us to be your, our sustaining force. The rock of ages in which we stand on. And go within us through your spirit and guide us into unity, into oneness, that the world may know, that the world may believe. And so, Father, pour your blessing upon this church, this congregation, those who are listening online, we pray this in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.